Are you ready to unplug? Are you ready to connect with the brightest minds in tech? Then join us for TechCon Unplugged 2023. From September 7th through the 10th, you'll have the chance to connect with a community of like-minded tech professionals who share your passion and drive. Attend hands-on workshops and breakout sessions to learn new skills and gain fresh perspectives. It's not just about the work. There's also plenty of time to unwind, relax, and have fun with your fellow attendees. Paco says it's where the magic happens. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to unplug, recharge, and take your tech career to the next level. Get your early bird tickets now at TechConUnplugged.com. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. We are starting a little differently tonight. Uh, I've got my guest in the green room. I just want to get a little bit of business out of the way before we officially start the show. Get a little rant going here. Uh, mainly because I just want to get it out of my head before we get going and not have it interfere with the show. I had a customer just email literally minutes before the show. And this is a continuation of my offboarding story. The customer that got absorbed by another client or not a client, but another business. It was a medical office that was local here. They thought they were partnering with a larger company. Turns out they're being absorbed by that company. They've had 18 months to prepare my client for their transition, and that wasn't done. And, well, you can go back and listen to other shows, but one of the things that was a big deal was when they were finally getting to the point where they said, okay, we're going to transition on this date. We need you to take all of your stuff and get it out. And it wasn't just get it out. Their first ask of me was, do you know of a local recycler or somebody that will come and pick up the equipment? And I said, sure, we have a recycler that we work with all the time, but what are we going to do with your data? And they said, oh, we didn't think about that. And I thought, you guys are a large medical company. And I probably don't know if I've mentioned this, but they got hit with a breach three years ago and ended up having to pay a few million dollars in fines. I'll have to go back and find that. Uh, I think I'm at the point where I can say their name and talk about them. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about them, but I mean, call them out by name because they they had a breach and they're just being ridiculous. And I said, well, I'll take care of the equipment. I'll just go pick it all up, bring it to my office. I'll wipe the drives. I'll take care of it. And they're like, great. How much will that cost? I don't know, $7.95. They're like, okay, good. And then I said, plus $20 per drive to wipe. Okay, no problem. I do that. And then I hear through the grapevine that somebody back at the main office, which is Wisconsin, somewhere in Wisconsin, one of the techs on the phone with my client said, oh, he shouldn't have even had those machines. There's no way. They should have all come back to, to Wisconsin with us. And I said, are you kidding? You wanted to pay to ship all that stuff there, but yet your techs here were willing to have me find a recycler to get rid of that stuff without wiping it. And I said, yeah, that is being responsible. So I was a little peeved at that. 
And then as I'm prepping for the show here tonight, I get this email, and this is how recent this is, folks. 7.36 p.m. Hi, Marvin. Can I drop off the Mac laptop to be destroyed along with an old iPad? Let me know. This is a client that is supposedly no longer mine, but the local people want to call me because of the great job that the parent company is doing from Wisconsin. So, whew, had to get off my chest, share it with somebody who would understand. Hopefully you do. Uh, let's, uh, let's get on with the show here. I've got a great show here, folks, and uh, that's over with. Let's have some fun. Sit back, relax. See you in a bit. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, your show for IT business support, where we do our best to try to provide you with products, stories, tips, in an effort to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. We are doing that again tonight. I have with me a guest from a product that I have used off and on over the years, and I've wanted to get them on before. Finally, was able to get Linus Chang in the house with Backup Assist. Linus, how are you? I'm excellent. Thank you very much for the invitation, Marv. Oh, well, I'm glad we were finally able to hook up uh, as we mentioned earlier i've i've been using you we think going back to 2012 and backup assist is uh one of those i'm going to say it's an all-in-one backup solution uh i use it for the disk to disk to cloud scenario with my servers uh you also have some other products which we'll get to uh but let's first uh make sure that we've covered all the bases because you're not just backup assist you're actually much larger company. I don't, I don't know if you do other stuff, but it's part of a company, Cortex. Is, is that right? Yeah, Cortex is the company name, and um, Backup Assist certainly is the flagship product. Has been for decades, um, and we've got some other, uh, I guess, new offerings that we're we're experimenting with on the side as well. Oh. Is it something you Which, can announce well, that? Yeah, that we, be? we can probably talk about <laughs> later on. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Um, so backup assist now I should introduce you as you're not just the are you the founder creator of the product CEO all those hats So uh I'm actually a software developer Marv and um I was the 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 original programmer behind backup assist way back in 2002 um oh. and it started pretty much as a sort of a challenge that a friend set me to, to try to fix some problems with backups. Um, and being a software developer, I thought, okay, I'm up for this challenge. Let's do it. Um, had no idea that obviously it would become a company and uh, sort of just grew organically from there. Um, so let me, let me go back because you just struck a little chord. You did this in response to a challenge. What was the actual challenge? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess there were two components to it, Marv. Um, do you remember the old NT backup four days? Oh, uh, NT, yeah. NT backup, NT Windows Server, NT four, mm -hmm. like late 90s. So 
that was my first introduction as to how cumbersome backups were. I was working as a software developer at the time. Um, we developed a database application for a nonprofit. And back then, when we deliver software, it's not just the software, but it's the entire server that, that we deliver. You know, the server um, that has a database and also a tape backup system. So I remember having the script NT backup um, to, to get it to run. We printed out a calendar. So there was a grandfather, father, son scheme going. Everything was done manually. And then it comes time to explain it to the administrator on site. Um, now, the admin wasn't particularly technical. He's working for a nonprofit volunteer role. And his brain just explodes. It's like, what? I have to change this tape every day according to a calendar. And then every day I have to log into the server and check the log to make sure it actually worked. You know, it was just overload for him. And that was the, the first indication that I thought, backups are just too hard. And, and it's so prone to error. And that was about 1998. And then a few years passed, I, I'd quit that job, moved on, and then completely separate, a friend said to me, he said, um, I'm trying to get NT backup to work on Windows 2000. <laughs> and I just can't get it to work. I remember those days. Oh, do you remember the removable storage manager? I remember that, but I actually remember that I went to another product, which I believe was Semantic Backup Exec, to run yeah. on top of NT backup. Yeah, exactly. And that was his problem. He, he just spent over $1,000 on a tape backup, and he didn't want to go back to the client and say, you now need to spend another $1,000 on Backup Exec. So, um, so he said to me, look, if you can get NT backup working, uh, I think there's a market for it. I'll buy the product. So I thought, okay, how hard can it be? And uh, I started to, to, you know, I bought some secondhand tape drives. I got Windows 2000, started running experiments, and it was just impossible to get to work. You know, the, the, this... Removable storage manager is this convoluted, overkill way of managing tapes and pools and all that. Um, you know, <laughs> actually, it, it, it was so difficult to get to work. I, I often say that it should be illegal that, that Microsoft put, put out something like this. Um, but, that I mean, was, but that's the way it was back then. And in a lot of cases, so companies like mine, where we weren't full-time with our clients, we would make the clients change the tape every day exactly right. and then they weren't yeah. checking logs that's for sure yeah <laughs> so um you know like in when you talk about cruelty to animals this the removal storage manager was cruelty to system administrators it was it was a nightmare so after months of trying to to figure out what was going on um i cracked the code managed to find a way to script NT backup to get it to work um, and then figured, well, if I email in simple instructions to the secretary or whoever's changing the tapes, you know, put Monday or put week four in, in the tape drive, that will solve that problem. And if I email the log to the system administrator, then the, the admin doesn't have to log in to check if it actually worked or not. So that was essentially the birth 
of Backup Assist. It started off as fixing a lot of bugs in Microsoft Windows NT Backup. And then I guess from there, it grew into something much bigger. All right. So just to give a little background and a little transparency, I mentioned earlier, this is a product that I use. I'm going to be completely honest. I've actually gone away from the product, went back to the product, and I'm still in that ebb and flow. For most of you that are regular listeners, uh, watchers of the show, I mentioned that I, you know, went through those days of semantic backup (laughs) exec and I think I found you guys, we think we're somewhere around 2012 to 2014 is probably the time frame, which was before I started getting involved with this community, uh, the Podnuts community, and, and being able to talk with other techs who were willing to share information and stuff. Uh, I started using Datto, which I don't, you know that name, Linus, uh, you know, we consider that sure. the Cadillac of, of backups. And then, of course, I'm going back and forth with using some Synology products and, and other stuff. But I've always come back to Backup Assist, mainly because it does what I want for a fraction of the data price and seems to be a good product. And you've added more to it. Uh, we should probably describe the product because I think when I first started, it was only the classic, Right. Just the, yeah. the the server backup, and you would back it up. Now it was always a bring your own storage, right? Yeah, that that's right. Okay. Um, so so I guess today, Marv, um, backup assist is a suite of different products. Um, the classic product is an evolution of of what I described earlier. Um, it builds upon what's already in Windows. It makes it work. It adds a lot of the features like monitoring, scheduling. Um, media rotation, um, we, we've added uh, sort of turbocharged um, what's in Windows and and makes it seamless. Um, so that's our classic product. We've got the ER product, which is geared towards a disk-to-disk-to-cloud scenario where you need uh, both rapid recovery as well as off- automatic off-site um, storage for your backups. And that was actually uh, because we got a lot of feedback that there's a portion of the market there that can't necessarily afford or won't pay for the top top line products like you mentioned, but they want something um, that's fully automated. So that's where we we uh, developed the ER product, and then we've got the Backless 365 product, which um, facilitates downloading your cloud-based data, downloading it locally so that you've got a local copy that you can retain, you can hold it in your hands, you can keep it for seven years or whatever data retention period you need. Um, And essentially, you have full control over the data that is otherwise up up there somewhere. Right, right. Now, let's... We'll talk about the 365 and then come back to the ER. That's the product that I know the most. But for 365... Uh, is it just mailboxes or is it the full 365 suite like SharePoint, OneDrive, Teams? Yeah, is great, it everything? Great question. Great question. Um, so it is mailboxes and also um, files from One OneDrive for Business and Teams. Okay. So basically all of the basic collaboration that a small and medium business would do, 
um, it will it will handle the SharePoint and OneDrive for business. Um, I guess the limitation at the moment is um, all, all of the little chat sessions in Microsoft Teams. There's actually not an API to back up and restore that. So we haven't uh, yet built out that feature. All right. So the product that I'm familiar with now, so I forget when I left you guys and when I came back, but when I did come back, you had a more, I'm going to say MSP friendly product, which is what I was looking for because I wanted to have a dashboard where I could go see all of my backups and you guys have that. Now it's, it's not a full managed you know, platform that a lot of people are used to with Datto, but it is a managed backup console and you can, you know, you can see all the backups in there. You can see all the reports. Uh, you can restore from there. Uh, when you first log in, there's a nice little dashboard. You can see the health of all mm. your products. You can see the licenses in use. Uh, it's a very, very nicely put together dashboard. Uh, where you can see everything. Now, how did that actually evolve? Because you said you got feedback, but was that feedback from people like me or from the market? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, it evolved. It actually started with with a different system, a precursor system, the centralized um, management console, where we would aggregate all the logs from NT Backup and then provide a single summary. We would crunch the numbers, analyze it, and provide a single email as a daily monitoring service. Um, and that, that was, I think, 07, 08. We were probably one of the very first to do that. And then we got more feedback um, as MSP products were started to, to build out. Um, you had your platforms like Kaseya, you know, early 2010s. And then we developed the managed backup console, which is what you described. Um, based on that, along with MSP-friendly uh, subscription model as well. All right. I'm actually going to – I'm going to share my window. It's going to look a little horrendous. But just to give anybody that's watching the video a little bit of an idea, uh, ignore all the red on there. <laughs> but as I mentioned, you can see all of your organization, your subscription licenses, account summary, um, all your backup activity. So you can go in and look at, say, last month and have all your successes, fails, uh, recent backup activity, backup warnings, last status. Um, all of that stuff is there. So it's very nice. There's mm -hmm. even a, where is it, usage. So if I wanted to go back and export what my usage was for each client, it just pulls down a nice little pretty CSV report that, you know, if I need to go bill my clients, I just pull down that report from last month and that's where I can bill from. So all pretty good there. Thanks for showing that, Marv. We're, we're lucky we've got some very good web developers on our team. Yeah, it is nice. So the ER product is, I, I like I said, it's MSP friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the only thing that... I probably shouldn't do this during the show. I should have done this. <laughs> is are there plans to make it to where you can actually connect to a server from the from the dashboard? Oh, to do that, um, we have uh, when we developed it, we developed it such that that would be possible. So for us, um, we've released the product. We're getting 
market feedback on it every day, and uh, it is certainly one of the one of the th- potential things on the roadmap okay. for us to do. Yeah. All right. So that means I'm not going to leave you just yet. I'm going to wait to see how that looks. So that is on the roadmap. Okay. All right. So it sounds to me that when you were challenged to do this, mm. even though you were a developer, you weren't a developer for this product. What were you actually doing before you started on the trail for backup assist? Oh, just general Microsoft development. Okay. You know, we, we, we had built a, uh, I was part of a team that built a, a database system for disability, um, a, a disability nonprofit. So it, it had a database of uh, wheelchairs and um, uh, forks and spoons with a curve in it so that people who don't have mobility can eat properly. It was, um, it was quite a fascinating job. Um, but after that, I basically quit my job after two and a half years and then said, how hard can it be to start a software company? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how hard was it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's say, um, yeah, I, I, I think in all honesty, I probably got lucky. Yeah. Probably got lucky because um, Back of Assist came, came along. The idea of it wasn't even mine. A friend gave it to me. And it's just that I was at the right place, the right time. I had the skills to implement, build a website, manage to get customers at low cost, a lot of th- things happened in the right order um, that necessarily, you know, not it, it's not guaranteed that the same thing could be done today because the market is so different. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say I was very lucky, but also what's important is that you, you've got to listen to your, your customers and, and react to what, what they're asking for. And I think above that, it's, also trying to anticipate what they want in the future as well. Right. Um, oftentimes, um, people will will say, I want this feature, that feature. But then we have to try to say, why are they asking for that? And is that the best way to deliver the benefit? Is that implementation the best way to deliver the benefit? If not, we can invent something new that will do an even better job. And that's the opportunity. So you mentioned Kaseya earlier, and they are the owners of Datto, which we've also mentioned. There's a lot of other players in our industry that, mm. you know, are trying to do what you're doing and create, you know, a better mousetrap. And there's some, I've had some of them on the show. We've had uh, MSP360, Magnus Box. Uh, I've talked to people at Axie and Servosity. So, you know, all of them are doing their thing in their own special way. And then for me, it's always, I need to find something that works with in my framework that, you know, I can go to a dashboard. I can do stuff the way I want. I don't want it to be too technical uh, with bring my own storage, but a lot of the products uh, do that. And yours does make it easy. All I have to do is, you know, find a local place to push it and find a S3 compatible, you know, cloud for the, uh, for the offsite storage works pretty good. I think I've only used you with Wasabi and I think I did a, I think I did an uh, Amazon storage glacier for one. 
years ago. Yeah, wasabi's wasabi's certainly a very popular option because their their price is so competitive. Yeah. Um, and I think they might even be a little bit more competitive than Backblaze now. For 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 several years, Backblaze was number one in terms of price, um, but I think wasabi has overtaken them. Yeah. But I think I think when it comes when it comes to actually being cost conscious and trying to get the best bang for buck, um, that's where the flexibility of the of our software um, tends to win over. Because, like you say, there are dozens and dozens of backup solutions out there in the market. Um, so why would you know the, you could say the customer is spoiled for choice? There's no no shortage of solutions out there, so that means that we have to be we have to stick to what makes us unique and right. different, um, and 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 provide that level of flexibility that that uh, to, to system administrators that um, other other companies don't. So from when you started, I didn't realize it was all the way back in two thousand two. I could have used you then, but uh, <laughs> looking back then and now, how are things different in the industry? I mean, from from our perspective as IT providers, mm, you know, mm. we're trying to figure out how can we get the most robust backup, of course, at the least amount of cost possible, but, you know, something that is all-inclusive, that literally covers our backsides as much as possible, but... From your perspective, as somebody that's been developing the products, hearing feedback, trying to to you know look at the roadmap, what's what's changed in your opinion over the years? Uh, from a technical point of view, or from a like a business environment? I don't know which like would it. be more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> look, I think from a technical point of view, um, the the threat model. I mean, the reason why you do backups has changed dramatically. Back when I started, two thousand and two, it was all about fire, theft, um, accidental data deletion. So a backup was literally copying data or copying files from A to B and having that second or third or fourth copy. Um, then with drive imaging that came on came along probably around oh eight, it was built in the Windows. Then the focus was on fast recovery, fast system recovery. Um, and now with ransomware and hacking and a lot of the cybercrime that's been facilitated by Bitcoin, um, so, so that really puts it at probably about 2010, 2012 onwards, the, the threat model has changed completely. And, and now it's about um, backing up so you don't have to pay the ransom. And of course, on top of that, you've still got the possibility of fire and theft and right. natural disaster and so on. So I think that um, it's, you know, we, we can't be naive to the cyber threats. Um, we, we, we've got to anticipate what is ransomware going to do? What is a hacker going to do? And how do we try to mitigate that so the backup is protected in these extreme situations? And that's where I'd say the, the, the bar to entry for to, to have a resilient backup system, the bar has just been raised higher and higher and higher over the years. Um, we, we see, 
we we get stories of of people who um, who come to us because they've suffered a catastrophic attack and the existing backup system that they were using didn't do the job. Um, and and that can be for various different reasons, um, whether that's a, a configuration issue or they, they just didn't adequately, they put all their eggs in one basket, for example, and they um, didn't adequately secure that basket. So um, we, we hear stories <laughs> of that probably a, a little too frequently, um, but I guess that, you know, that's our job is to try to uh, uh, help help these people um, get a resilient backup so that they don't ever suffer that again. So you mentioned the the ransomware, and I, I completely glossed over that feature. That was something that when I got back to you, I think I left in 2014 and came back in 2016. But when I came back with the ER product, you had built in the crypto safeguard, which mm. would look for those anomalies as the backups were happening. And I don't know if you guys, now, I don't know if you were the first. I'm going to say that I saw that in your product first. Uh, is How did that come about and what makes your crypto safeguard different than some of the others? Because a lot of people are adding it now, but it's almost like, oh, well, your file's corrupted and we can't back it up. And then you're stuck. So Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's an excellent question. And I, and I think it plays into what is the role of a, say, cyber-aware, cyber-resilient backup versus all the other malware trackers that are out there? You know, I'm sure that you deploy um, antivirus, anti-malware on your clients and you deploy backups. So what is the interaction and what can a backup system do that isn't necessarily covered by... Uh, those other AV anti-malware products. So for us, when I looked at the problem, it was essentially the, the there are many ways that encrypted files can get onto your system. So we know that, um, for instance, if your workstation becomes infected, it's going to in- infect all the other machines around it and files on the server. That's kind of the obvious case. Um, but it can also be an off-network infection where you share the file with someone else, um, they got infected, then the sync app synced their infection over to your machine, which then got synced to a server or, you know, it spreads like an infection, like, right. a, uh, like a pandemic spreads. Um, so we thought if we just look for malware, we're not going to find these problems. But if we look at the data, I mean, we are already backing up that data. We are already talking to the file system. And and all it takes is a little bit more effort to inspect that data, run some analytics on it, um, do an entropy test, see if it, 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 it comes back to say this is actually looking suspicious. So I guess looking at it with fresh eyes, that was what was the inspiration for crypto safeguard and then all of a sudden administrators now have a way of knowing and being notified if there is some sort of suspicious activity that doesn't get picked up by everyone else um, especially if it's a really slow 
uh, infection. If it's just a few files a day, which which you know can happen, um, then you've got the chance of being notified and doing something about it. Now, are you looking at things like, and I'm not that technical, so I'm going to throw out terms and you tell me if I'm right or not, but are you looking at things like the file hash and the signatures in the files to determine if they're different than the previous version? So we are looking at a range of um, different things. We are examining the content of the files, yes. Um, There are certain mathematical statistical tests that we can do to determine whether um, a file looks right or if it's actually been corrupted. Um, but actually, a lot of a lot of the time, it's also looking at mass changes. Um, if file names happen to change and there is a repeatable pattern because of that, um, in the early days, okay, really early days, you, you'd have a .lock file, or, or you know, every every variant will have a particular file extension that you can look for. That's the easy stuff. Um, but it's it's also about looking at patterns of changes. All right, that's about as technical as I want to get. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, let's do this. Let's take a quick break and say thank you to some sponsors, and then we'll come back and continue that. Uh, but we're going to first feature a little video from an event that I'll be attending in just a couple of weeks. We've always defined ourselves by our ability to provide solutions. Do more with less. Build something from nothing. To make the unknown known. But we've only just begun. We must never forget that our greatest accomplishment cannot be behind us, because our destiny lies beyond. That is PAX 8 Beyond, the first user conference for PAX 8. Now that the godfather of the channel, Rob Ray, is there, I will be there June 11th through the 13th. Uh, head over to Pax8Beyond.com and hurry up. I know that the time is ticking. Flights are going up. The ticket price, well, it's probably the same, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a nice little ticket price. I will be there. I'll be doing some interviews on site there with members of Pax8, some partners, uh, Rob Ray, and I just got an email earlier today. The great Paco LeBron is all, er, yes. I'm sorry. The great Paco LeBron will also be there. And it looks like we are going to be doing a crossover podcast together. So look forward to that. Um, Let me go ahead and do a thank you to our sponsors. The IT Business Podcast is presented by NetAlly. You've heard me talk about NetAlly for years. They are my go-to solution when it comes to network testing. I carry... I carry three tools in my bag 
with me just about every day. I use at least one of them all the time. Verify connectivity, Wi-Fi analysis, uh, all those types of things there. So check out natally.com if you want to basically better manage your networks. Our live show is presented by Computers Done Right, computer support in Venice, Florida. Our good friend John, who joins us just about every week here in the chat, is a good member of our community uh, doing managed services and IT support in Venice, Florida. Thank you to John. And our newest partner, Instant House Call. You guys know Corey from years of his garnished support for our community. His product helps people. If you're looking just to get started uh, in the business and you need something that can do remote support, it'll give you some fix-it tools that are built in, easy support for your customers to use. Instanthousecall.com is your place to go. Uh, go there now, and you can try it free for 15 days. All right, so Linus, back to Backup Assist. Uh, we were talking about the crypto awareness that was built in. Something that I have missed, and I don't know uh, why I've missed it, but there's a feature you have called Cyber Black Box. Uh, tell us about that. Well, um, Fortunately, the name probably is fairly self-descriptive in, in the way that in aviation, um, there is a, a black box recorder, actually two black box recorders on each plane. And that really assists in the event of a crash or an incident that assists the investigators to try to figure out what went wrong such that they can stop it from happening again. And we um, introduced the cyber black box in the same sort of way. So the story behind it, Marv, is, is I, I attended a, um, a talk by a police investigator. Our Australian federal police is kind of like your equivalent of the FBI. And the investigator was saying they get called out to hacks all the time. There, there are so many that they can't keep up with the demand. And one of the major problems is lack of evidence, lack of logs. So they can't, they, they, it takes them a lot longer to try to figure out what happened or they simply don't have the data that they need to do their investigation. And he also said that, but it's so easy. You know, if you run these batch files every few hours, you can keep track of network connections to the server in and out. Um, you can keep track of changes to the Windows registry. And I thought, if we, can, if we can actually capture that information, just like an aviation black box recorder, and we can then put that information into the backup so that it's preserved and you can find that information, not just from the last backup, but going back weeks or months or, um, or longer, then we've got an incredible tool that's going to make it easier for an investigator to come in and uh, figure out what happened. And those logs that we capture can be then combined with all the other sources of information that they would look at to, to, uh, to figure out the source of the, 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 original, the original source of the uh, compromise such that 
it can be fixed and um, hopefully will never happen again. So that for us was uh, very unique. Um, we looked at is, is this sort of technology being done anywhere else? And we, we were unable to find um, this concept. So we stuck our neck out and developed it and put it in the software um, as part of our, our software. Any, anyone on a subscription plan with us, a backup care subscription uh, or an MSP subscription, will get the cyber black box for free. All right. That sounds pretty good. Now, of course, we spent a lot of time talking about all the good things that your product does, the reasons that I've gone back to it and how it compares to some of the others. And it sounds like all the bases are covered, but from the standpoint of, okay, whether it's us that are failing or backup products in general that are failing, we still have issues where customers lose data. And we think we have all of these things in place where it shouldn't be happening, but it still happens. So is part of this still a you know a failure of our products or is it a failure, failure in us and how we're using them? Oftentimes, it's not just one particular area. It, you know, there's, there's not a single source of failure. And oftentimes, it's so nuanced that there's no one place that you can point the finger. Um, as as you know, Marv, it's IT is always a moving target, and it's very difficult to, um, you know, it, it's very easy to understand underestimate Murphy's law. So I, I'll give you an example. Um, let's say you're setting up a backup system for a server. You've got your main system drives, and you've got another drive that's just random file shares, um, stuff that was downloaded off the internet. So you say, okay, I'll back up the system, I'll back up the data, but all of the downloads don't need to be backed up. So that makes sense, right? That, so you set up the, um, the, the backup system to back up that and exclude all of the useless junk. What tends to happen is that users over time can start putting their real data into that share that was only intended for downloads. And what, what happens then is that that was never put in the backup. So in the event of catastrophe, that gets lost. And that's the sort of thing that we tend to see that unless you're reviewing the backup configuration and you, unless you're doing a test restore on a regular basis, these things can fall through the cracks. Another, another example would be um, putting all your, your eggs in one basket and then um, in using integrated authentication to, to, to make things easier for a system administrator. So we've seen um, just in the news, not, not, with, not necessarily with, with our user base, but in the news, we've seen um, companies do backups to cloud providers like uh, Amazon, for example. Um, simultaneous to that, they also integrated Amazon authentication with act, the local Active Directory authentication, thinking that it's going to make life a lot easier. And for the most part, it does. But it also makes life a lot easier for the hacker. Because yeah. once you compromise locally, you've got a clear line of sight to the cloud. And it's those sorts of, I guess, hidden gotchas um, that can be difficult to foresee. Um, but you know, this, I, I still say the safest, the, the safest 
way to protect against ransomware and, and, and hacking is an offline disconnected backup. Taking a hard drive, doing a backup to it, taking out the USB cable. You know, I've never seen a hacker attack a hard drive that's sitting on a shelf. Um, and yet, so often we, 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 we can forget to do that because we want everything to be fully automated, um, zero touch. Right. And, and we sometimes lose that uh, level of protection that would, that would have saved, you know, a $50,000 ransom. Now, so part of me was just thinking there are built-in opportunities along the way where if you're doing a local backup and then pushing that up to the cloud that you can encrypt, you know, the backup to the cloud with a separate, you know, passphrase or whatever from your regular backup, from your regular system. Is that a good idea? Because I've actually had one situation where if you wanted to do a restore from, let's see, am am I thinking of a snapshot? If you wanted to, because you can do a full image restore or you can do a granular restore, but you couldn't do a granular restore if you encrypted the backup. You had to open up the whole backup or something like that. Am I, or is it not? Um, So, so the, the encryption, uh, whenever you you send data to the cloud, um, that's all in in our software. It is automatic, and you can absolutely um, do a granular recovery with that. Uh, the the question, uh, I think, is more about if you had to do a full system recovery, um, and you've lost the local backup, then it would it would require a full download from the cloud. And I think there may be some other nuanced situations as well. For example, if you're backing up an entire virtual machine um, and can you uh, sort of retrieve granular data from within the virtual machine right? uh, if all you've got is a cloud backup and which virtualization system are you using? So while we support that for Hyper-V, you know, um, if you were using a different tool, tool like VMware, then you'd have to download everything back. Okay. That may have been, so I, I, I thought I was done talking about this client from earlier, but <laughs> that offboarding, that offboarding client that I talked about before we started the show was mm. that they were a situation where they were also a previous topic where the day of onboarding, we disconnected everything on our network, handed them the server, got it up and running at the new location and it died. Oh, it didn't officially die, but it wouldn't boot up. Something was wrong, and they asked me for yeah. they asked me for the backup. So I went to uh, I didn't download it. I actually still had the appliance, so I just copied mm. over all the images to an mm. external USB, gave it to them, and said, "Here you go." But we didn't talk about how they were going to get it back up if they were going to do it in you know Hyper V or VMware. Needless to say, they never got the backup running, but they got the server up and running. But they didn't reach back out to me, so I didn't have to worry about it. I think that's what I was trying to think of is that, you know, how would they do that if they didn't have the full sequence of, <laughs> of, yeah, of the stuff? Yeah, and, and having uh, well-defined disaster recovery scenarios are so important because when a system is down, you're under stress, 
You've got users barking at you, the business owners losing money, and it's just hard to think, isn't it, in that situation? So um, having a join-the-dots system that you can follow um, is so important. And, and that's actually one of the things that we do is we have a recovery Bible where uh, even a, a moderate system administrator can just follow the steps to, to achieve a predictable recovery. All right. And uh, speaking of your stuff there, your support portal is open. Uh, it's easy to get to. There are links to it. Let's say for, for some odd reason there's an error in the backup. It will link to an article on what the possible problems are, the possible fixes. Uh, very nice setup there. So having gone through everything we've talked about, what is probably the worst or best story you've heard of somebody, you know, having an issue where they needed to do a restore? Oh, there are lots to choose from. <laughs> um, probably. Yeah, so this this happened a few years ago. Um, in fact, it it's a sort of thing that you'd think happened in the movies, not not in real life. Um, it was a story of a very well choreographed heist by organized crime. So a, a real life heist. A real life heist. So one of our clients um, was a medical clinic. In in I mean they still are. Sorry, I'm, I'm using past <laughs> tense because it it occurred. Uh, several years ago. So so our client, the medical clinic, one of the southern states in the US. And as you know, medical clinics contain a lot of expensive machinery. And this clinic happened to have an MRI machine. So it, it, it was a heist in that the, the, the criminals did the research. They knew exactly where the machine was, was um, located. They took a truck. They ram-raided a thick brick wall to break into the clinic. They loaded the MRI machine on their truck. I mean, these things are big. And then bolted. And they did this all at night. So by the time the police arrived the next morning, they said, you're not going to see that machine again. It's probably already on the way to Cuba for sale on the black market. So the client um, was in a situation where all the you know the, the the PCs that controlled that machine were also stolen, and all of the the data on it. And we're talking HIPAA compliance, you know, um, data retention. We're talking massive amounts of data here. Well, luckily they were able to get a new MRI machine pretty quickly, and they were completely up and running again. They resumed business operations within forty eight hours. And Minus uh, in terms of those PCs, they just did a full system recovery from backup. So, <laughs> Wow. Okay. So that was good. I, I'm just, there had to be pictures of that. Cause I mean, we're talking, that had to be an 18 wheeler type, <laughs> type truck that came up to them. I mean, MRIs and the machine and the PCs. I mean, you're talking about a team of 10 guys having to, uh, because how do you even move <laughs> machines that big? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not exactly sure whether that whether it hit the news or not, Marv. Um, I would anticipate that. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I would anticipate there would be a very big insurance claim on that as well. Yeah. 
And you said Southern state, right? I believe so. Yes. I was going to say, you don't remember whether it's Florida or not, do you? <laughs> no, I don't remember that one. All right. Well, I'll ask you uh, for uh, an interesting story to challenge Florida man in just a minute, but let me go back and just ask you in terms of, I know I asked you a question that you said was on the roadmap. So is there any other feature that we haven't discussed that is coming down the road, anything new that you're looking at with the product, a reason for people that are listening or watching this to go and give Backup Assist a look? So on the roadmap, um, we've got improvements to the MSP console that uh, that you quickly demoed um, earlier in the podcast. Um, we're seeing a lot more demand for backing up uh, work from home workstations as well. So we've got some additional enhancements to uh, to improve our desktop offerings. We're, we're looking at uh, working with cloud providers to provide enhanced resilience um, to, to hacking. So I guess those are the things that within the backup assist stable that will that we're um, that are on the roadmap. Uh, but on also we we know that there are bigger challenges that SMBs face. In fact, challenges that may may or may not ever be solved by Microsoft or another vendor. So that's the other part of what we're working on at the moment is um, testing the market to see if there's an opportunity to fix some of these issues. So one, one of the issues, uh, for example, is file sharing in OneDrive and, and in SharePoint. Um, how can you inventory, how can you get a list of all of the files that have been shared by anyone in the organization? Now, the answer is, or at least the research that I've done, is you can look at the audit log to see for, to, 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 to filter for sharing actions. But the audit log only goes back so far. It only goes back 12 months. So how do you then get a list of all the shared files greater than 12 months old? So that's an that's a problem that uh, I don't currently believe that it's easy for a system administrator to get that list. And that represents a potential data breach or source of data breach. So those are the kinds of challenges that we're looking at to say, is this challenge something that a lot of people are facing? If so, then it's it's potentially um, worth our while developing a solution for it. So it, it would be uh, extremely, I guess, extremely um, helpful uh, if any of your audience uh, are looking at these types of challenges um, that, you know, really weren't addressed in Microsoft uh, Office 365, Microsoft 365. And uh, and provide feedback to us. We we actually have a landing site called cloudsheriff.com, cloudsheriff.com, um, where we are listing some of these challenges that that um, MSPs and administrators may experience. And we have a uh, sort of a request for feedback. If if you're experiencing any of that, we'd love to know. Okay, so cloudsheriff.com. What problem are you trying to solve? Okay. We'll put a link to that, patrolling your cloud. Nice. There, there are a bunch of things. For example, um, 
how do you know if your file shares were, were accessed by someone out of the country? How do you know that uh, a file share hasn't been accessed uh, from Russia, for example, or, or uh, any other country that you, you may choose not to share with? <laughs> Here's one that says, <laughs> problem, users upload junk. <laughs> That's right, because people run out of disk space. Yeah. And what happens when, when that happens? Well, you have to upgrade your subscription and pay a lot more money. Or you can just locate that junk and delete it. And, and I think that with every new system that's, that's uh, deployed, you know, Office, keep on calling it Office I know, 365. I know, we do it too. Microsoft 365 is such a boon to, um, to the work from home economy. You know, it is so great for collaboration in ways that weren't available to us 20 years ago. But with that, with all of those gains that we've had, there are little things that tend to get, um, that tend to fall through the cracks. So that's what we're looking for um, to get feedback from the market. All right. So the work from home product, let me ask, is it just simply a documents backup or is there a full image solution as part of that backup? Both. Both? Okay. Both. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you and, – and I think this is the flexibility of Backup Assist. If you want to do an image backup, you can certainly configure that and get the, all the benefits of fast system recovery. On the other hand, if you only want to backup certain files and send those files to the cloud, you can absolutely do that as well, one or the other or both. And um, everyone's situation is different. <laughs> that's that's what we we know. Everyone has a, a different set of requirements. So our challenge as the vendor is to make the software flexible enough to cater for all of them. All right. Well, Linus, thank you very much. We are going to be keeping an eye on Backup Assist. Like I said, I am still using it, even though I'm all over the place with my clients as we move away from servers, but being able to have the 365 backup and the work from home solutions uh, should prove to be something to pay attention to and use on the road. Now, thank you for having me on. All right. It's been a pleasure. Now, did you do your research and come up with a story to challenge Florida man? Well, um, you know how earlier in the day I, I, uh, I spoke about cruelty to, Animals and cruelty to system administrators. Yes. <laughs> so in, in the state where I live in Queensland, Australia, um, we have these bush turkeys. We have bush turkeys. And uh, some campers capture the bush turkey and use spray paint to paint it bright pink. <laughs> they were just on a drunken rampage and decided to torture a turkey. Well, um, cruelty to animals is illegal in, in my country as it is in yours. Well, it mostly so, is here, depending on the animal. <laughs> so I think they ended up being charged by the police and uh, had to front up in court. But uh, <laughs> Oh, my. Well, my Florida man story is one that happened uh, on Sunday. I usually only do stories in the last day or so, but this one was just so outrageous and uh in honor of my good friend Chad who loves a good gator story from Florida uh 
Well, a man in Port Charlotte, Florida, was attacked by a 10-foot alligator outside a bar over the weekend, and the alligator bit the man's arm so severely that doctors had to amputate it. Now, you may say, Marv, we hear these things all the time, so, you know, alligator attacks are really no big deal. Well, they are. If you are in a bar at 1.40 in the morning and you decide to go outside to take a pee instead of going to the bathroom to take a pee. So Jordan Rivera, who's only 23 years old, so he, he doesn't have his gator knowledge intact. But Port Charlotte, Florida is one of those places where, yes, gators could roam free. And you should probably check the bar or at least the backside of the bar, if you're going to go out at 1.40 a.m. to take a piss because the gator came up and bit him while he was taking a pee behind the bar. And, Unbelievable. Yep. I've got to be careful when I visit you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hear that, you know what they say, nothing good happens after midnight. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my God. Well, Linus, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, it's been a while. I, uh, to let the audience know, I've tried to get them on before, and I don't remember what happened. Either uh, I wasn't persistent enough or the timing wasn't right, but here you are. Thank you. And I'm going to go, uh, you know, what? I think I'm going to go find a link for the Recovery Bible and give that to everybody because that, that is a good document to have. Absolutely. And a lot of the processes, procedures will work for native windows as well. It's not just specific to our product, um, but it will work if you're using the native um, backup methods in Windows. So it'll be useful for everyone. All right. Well, folks, there you have it. Uh, backup Assist, a product that I use and recommend. We will be back here with another show next week. And... You know what? I don't have my notes in front of me, but I do want to say thank you to everybody for paying attention. I should do a shout out. So I had a new listener reach out to me, uh, Jack, and not Jack Sparrow, uh, who had listened to his first podcast of the IT Business podcast a couple of weeks ago, reached out to me and asked for uh, some consultation on how to run his business. He's a new MSP up in Canada up near Chadland. And so we've talked and had a nice conversation. So uh, people ask, you know, hey, Marv, why do you do this show? And why do you do some of the topics and stuff like that? Well, as I mentioned, this the purpose of this show is to help you guys do your business better, smarter, and faster. And I'm going to try to do that. So thank you, Jack, for reaching out and letting us know that you're a new listener. And uh, we will continue to try to do this. And the purpose of this podcast is not for me to make money. It's to help you, the community, uh, grow and learn. So we'll do that. Uh, we'll do it again next week here. Same bat time, same bat channel. And until next time, holla. Holla.